Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving... At your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Andrew Menzel. Joining me over the phone this week is Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? G'day, Menzel. I'm really good. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Um, So, listeners, we just thought we'd jump in with a quick episode this week. Um, We're taking a a slightly unscheduled break uh, for this week and next week. This week, because Paul and I were down in Wollongong commentating on The Shield and Actually, Jaleesa Apps has been missing in action. I'm wondering if Channel 9 have locked her up and won't let her leave because she's so valuable. <laughs> um, or maybe it's just a, a Channel 9 phone and she's forgotten to reply or she can't get our messages. But either way, she's not around. And next week, and please no one let my wife know about this, but I, I, I kind of forgot that it was my 20-year wedding anniversary and I would be unavailable. So we'd like kind of tentatively scheduled a show and then I realised, you know, my marriage would be over if I were to uh, actually be there for the recording. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to be off this week and next week. But the show is going to continue right throughout the winter. I know a lot of cricket podcasts based in Australia take the winter off, but we're not going to. We may do take the odd week off and um, do some shows every couple of weeks when things get a bit quiet. But we're certainly going to be covering all the cricket action right throughout the year. Um also on that front, uh, we're, we're actually moving to a new YouTube channel. So for those that subscribe to the channel where there's, uh, 
you know, almost 200 followers. We're actually starting a new one. So search for Cricket Unfiltered Podcast and go and follow the new channel. We released a little video explaining that uh, Paul's not able to post videos on our current channel, um, which is no good for you, is it, Paul? No, it's been, it's been very frustrating. <laughs> so we've started a new one. We're in the, the the midst of moving across. All the links are in the show notes to our link tree where you can go and follow the new channel. And we're actually going to deactivate the old channel by the end of the week. So, um, yeah, go and watch all the videos on that channel if you want because they're all going very, very soon. Um, so while we're here and while Paul and I are on the phone, we thought it'd be a good opportunity just to have a brief chat about the week's cricket news. Um, we're going to talk about the Sheffield Shield finalists that have been confirmed. We'll touch on the IPL and some rule changes. Before we get started, man, it's just one thing. I just want to express my um, commiseration because I'm sure 20 years ago, you must have chosen your marriage date very carefully to not coincide with any cricket whatsoever. And you would have thought, April is perfect. Australian cricket's long gone. England cricket has not yet started. There is nothing in the cricket calendar. And then all all of a sudden, the biggest juggernaut of all time, the IPL, your wedding anniversary now corresponds with the start of the IPL. And years as the years go by, this is going to get harder and harder for you, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is, but it's, it's just... It's, it's a minefield for me because my wife's birthday is during the Boxing Day test, so... That's another test match where I'm, you know, delicately balancing my, um, you know, obligations as a husband and my <laughs> uh, tendencies as a cricket fanatic to not want to miss a ball of the Boxing Day test. So, yeah, that's something I have to navigate every year. And then this is another one. Um, the way the cricket calendar is going, though, you could never actually find a gap to get married. The only time you could is Christmas Day, which I've always said that's the safe day to get married because there's nothing on. And, but you, with your desire to get um, Big Bash on on Christmas Day, could ruin that as well. Yep, yep. Yeah, so, it, uh, look, I'm in trouble, that's for sure. Um, you know, <laughs> I will have been married 20 years as of next week. Um, the odds of it surviving another 20 years are very, very high. Um, hello, Rachel, if you're listening. All right, so, look, while I've got Paul, I thought it would be a good chance to just chat about some of the cricket news that's um, – been happening in the last week. Uh, there's some Sheffield Shield action we want to touch on. There's the, some new rule changes that have been mooted by the ACC. There's the IPL. Uh, but but let's start with the incredible feat by the Australian women's cricket team of being able to win 22 games in a row and eclipse the great Ricky Ponting team's effort of 21 games. Just, just amazing, wasn't it, Paul? Yeah, it sure was. And, I mean... The, the surveys that we've seen in the past saying that they are the number one most popular sporting team in Australia. They're ahead of the men's team, they're ahead of the Socceroos, the, the Wallabies, or any other national sporting team. The Australian wicket, Australian women's cricket team is number one. And you've got to give credit to, not only to, to them, of course, to Cricket Australia for uh, increasing the funding and making it a professional game. And uh, where will this sit in the sort of the pantheon of Australian cricket achievements? I think it's it's right up there. And I think what's amazing with this team is, as you say, how they've been able to sustain their high level over a many number of years. Um, but I think 
more importantly, they're just great role models for young people growing up. I mean, this is a very popular team, a very well-liked team, and they just keep going from strength to strength. And hard to see any other nations catching the Australian women's cricket team uh, for a while. I think uh, they're going to be the benchmark that others try to emulate for a long time to come. Yep. Um, and the, the the popularity of the sport uh, for girls and women is, is exploding. I was we were at the Shield game and um, I was sitting next to the scorer and talking to, to her and she is very active in the local Wollongong um, cricket, just saying that the number of girls teams is just increasing year on year. And it made me reflect of my own childhood where when I was in the under 10, my, in my first season, my top score was five. And I was very proud of that. It was a pretty good five. Three years later, my sister played a, a, a two seasons of cricket and in her first season in the under 10s, her top score was 31 retired uh, with four boundaries. And, you know, she was demonstrably a far better cricketer than I was playing against the boys. But that was it. After two years, it was sort of acceptable back then to play for two years. Uh, and then any longer than that, you became a curiosity and a figure of fun. So the, the sport has come an immense, uh, an immense journey in, in one generation. Yes, and I commentated on some women's grade cricket or women's premier cricket this season. And I was... Uh, amazed at how good the standard was and how competitive it is and just what a great standard they're playing at that level, which is, you know, a few rungs below the international level and how that's just come on in leaps and bounds in the last few years. So, yeah, we're just going to see the women's game grow and grow and um, it's wonderful to watch. And I think... You know, when I think about that Australian women's team, I think about Elisa Healy. She played in every game of the 22 uh, wins. Uh, She's just such a breath of fresh air, the way she uh, carries herself on and off the field. She's competitive. Um, She has a go with the bat, but she's also off the field um, very open and honest and accommodating and and also, um, you know, a great role model the way she carries herself. So, you know, for me, she kind of embodies the team, the team spirit, and, and that's often the way with the wicketkeeper. Yeah, and a couple of times I've, I've spoken to her. She's been really uh, easy to talk to, um, fun and friendly, and, um, you know, performed on the biggest stage of all, uh, player of the match in front of 86,000 in the World Cup final. Indeed, and... We were commentating on her husband's match over the Easter long weekend. You and I were down in Wollongong for the New South Wales v Queensland Shield match. It was the final round of the season. And boy, did we see some highlights. I got to call Amanis Labashane Century. But I think the standout for me was the performance of Mitch Swepson, the Queensland leg spinner. I think he's a huge chance to force his way into the test side. You mean at the expense of Lyon? Yes, 100%. I just, you know, 100%. I kind of, um, I hear you. And I think that if they pick sides, you know, from first principles every time and just sort of said, we're going to pick our best 11, he'd be a chance. But I just think that Lyon has so, you know, such a strong reputation and sort of so much residual goodwill that they will be very reluctant to pick him. I, I can only see him forcing Lyon out of the side if we lose a couple of those early ashes. If we're in trouble in the ashes and Lyon hasn't been performing, then and only then can I see a change because I think that um, that sort of crystallises things. When you're losing against England at home, everything is all bets are off. But other than that, I think that Swepson's a chance to be a second spinner in the, in the short term, but not to force his way in in the short term. 
Yeah, I disagree. We saw him bowl some absolutely unplayable deliveries in that match. One to Daniel Hughes that spun two feet. Uh, There was one on the last day to a young New South Wales batter, Lachlan Hearn, that spun between bat and pad. Just unplayable deliveries, the, the sort of deliveries that can crack open a test match. And we've just seen Nathan Lyon over the last couple of years in particular struggle to bowl teams out on the, the last day or the last innings of a test match, which is when you need your spinner to come to the, f- the fore and, and dominate. So I think there is an opening for Sweps. And I, I sort of agree with you. I don't think it would be immediate, but... Uh, It'd be gutsy for the selectors to drop him when he's on line when he's on three ninety nine test wickets. <laughs> that certainly wouldn't win too many friends. But yeah, I think we could see Swepson forced line out of the side if he keeps bowling this well, Swepson, in the next um, twelve to eighteen months. Thing is, I sometimes think we look at Shane Warne's career in the wrong way. That um, what it was it Terry Jennings to say that he's. Um, He'll inspire thousands and thousands of um, young kids to take up Lexton, but we might not see anyone um, actually any good at it because it's such a difficult art. When Warren came along, spin bowling was dying. There were so many matches where um, you just go in with seamers only and spinning, spin was an afterthought. And as much as that was awful, and I'm so happy that it's no longer the case, that was the reason for pragmatic reasons. And it was that spin in Australia especially tends not to be that successful. And for all of the, the good bowling that we saw from Mitchell Swepson in this game, and he did, he bowled two absolute pearlers. This is the first season in his whole career that I, I think that he has averaged anywhere decent uh, as a Red Bull uh, first-class bowler. He's averaging in the low 20s this season, but every season prior to that, his average has been poor. Um, and, you know, coming back to that argument that we had, that I think sometimes we need to sort of dispense with the notion that we do need a frontline spinner. And everyone says, oh, you know, you can't possibly say that, but that's the way the world was going before Bourne came along. You could make an argument that we should have four frontline quicks and make sure that Labashane polishes up his um, part-time Lexington to take advantage of conditions like we saw on day four in Wollongong. Yeah, that would be no good for overrate if there were no spinners in the team. Yeah, I, I always <laughs> like having a spinner in the team, but just on your point with Swepson, he's I think 27 now, which is really when a leg spinner should be maturing and ready for test cricket. I mean, Warren was a freak. Usually leg spinners aren't as good as he was at such such a young age. True, true. So, I mean, this should be the sort of peak of Swepson's career. And actually McGill, it took him till he was about 27, 28 to really um, master his prodigious leg spinners. So, yeah, I think um, keep an eye on Mitch Swepson and as he as, – um, you know, Paul indicated, especially if Australia get into trouble early on in the Ashes, we know historically England don't play leg spin very well. And if, if Swepson keeps up this level, then I'll change my tune. I just need to say it for longer than one season. What else from the match in Wollongong stood out to you? I think I had a change of heart with regards to the Sheffield Shield itself. Maybe I've maybe trended a little bit more towards where you stand, and that is I've always thought of it as a hard-nosed competition to get Australian cricketers ready to play international cricket. And if no one turns up to watch it, well, so be it. But we saw um, crowds of, was it 900, 700 and 800 or something like that for the mm. first three days down in the Gong. And it was a really good atmosphere. There was the barbecue going. There was a bit of banter from the crowd. It, it was a live game and a nice small small ground there at North Dalton Park. 
I, I think they should do more of it. I think that um, whenever the SCG is unavailable, they should take the games outside of Sydney, put them in the calendar months and months in advance, see if you can take them to you know to Wollongong or Newcastle or even further afield up to, to Lismore or somewhere. And, Coffs Harbour. Uh, and, yeah, exactly, and, and try to replicate that. Get a, a few days, even get better, you know, get crowds of um, 1,500 or 2,000 for, for a few days and it really is a it was a it was a, a great pleasure to be there for those days yeah i think the the point around that is uh, if they're going to take shield matches out of the main centers then the grounds and the facilities and the pitches have to be good enough and what we saw at north yes. dalton park certainly was um very good so yeah i'd agree with that it was actually really refreshing to have so many people there for a Shield game. And hello to all the listeners um, that actually sent in messages um, during the match. Paul and I were alternating between commentating and ground announcing. Uh, so there were actually spectators in the ground who heard us and um, you know, sent us messages. So thank you. Um, I had to fight every instinct of mine not to cause trouble ground announcing. Um, I just wanted to start like shouting out stuff to the players or uh, doing mild bits of commentary. Um, I, I wanted to start also going through like odd items that were in the lost and found department that I was just making up. Um, but in the end, I was able to resist all those urges and played straight down the line. Um, yeah, and I look, I enjoyed watching Marnus Labashane's battle with Nathan Lyon. Um, those two are very competitive, but they're also clearly good mates who play a lot of cricket together. Um, so that was quite captivating. And we're going to see a repeat of that in the Shield final with Queensland hosting New South Wales at Allen Border Field. And I, I think the Blues might steal this one with um, the potential of Josh Hazelwood to come back into that Blues attack. You have Stark, Lyon and Hazelwood as the three main bowlers. So, yeah, I think the Shield final is going to be really interesting. Yeah, I think that uh, Hazelwood is a massive inclusion, especially up there in in Queensland. And, you know, we, we talked about this on air in commentary, and you made the point that even if Sean Abbott is available, they will probably bat Peter Neville at number six. And so that'll enable them to go in with uh, Abbott, Stark, Copeland and Hazelwood, as well as Nathan Lyons. But my point is that although I think Stark did bowl really well in, in small patches, but if they were going to go in with Neville batting at number seven in the Shield final, on form, they'd be required to drop Mitchell Stark. But if, 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 you're, if you've got the choice, the way that um, Sean Abbott has played this year, including his batting, Abbott, Copeland and Hazelwood would, would be the first three quicks you'd pick and, and Mitchell Stark would miss out. Yeah, I, I actually think we saw some really good stuff from Mitchell Stark in the game when he was you know, locked in battle with Marnus Labuschagne and Marnus was dropped in the 40s off Stark's bowling, quite a simple catch at first slip. So I actually think we're seeing Stark sort of get somewhere to near his, his best, but um, just not quite at the ability to sort of keep maintain that throughout the whole match. Um, but I thought he actually bowled pretty well in this game. Uh, he looked to be quick and dangerous. I'd agree with that. I think it's a step up. Uh, you look at the figures, um, not so impressive, but uh, he did hit uh, Bryce Street in the head with a really nasty one. And as you said, he, he should have had um, Labuschagne out court. Uh, so there was a period there where he looked menacing. But I'll be keen to see what he does in the Shield final because other than that, you know, more, more, sort of, more to the point is, will he play uh, in the first test of the Ashes next summer? I think that's a lot less to- yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that, definitely. And r- reports that I've heard are that 
Yeah, I don't know if um, the Australian uh, coach and brains trust was, you know, particularly happy with Stark's performance in the last two matches. Now, with the other Shield game, so that match finished in a draw. Um, I guess the highlight of the match for me was calling Marnus's as hundred. Um, you know, now now I called a Smith, a Steve Smith century, and a Marnus Labuschagne century. I mean. If if my life ended tomorrow, I'd be pretty happy. Uh, the other Shield games, um, Victoria hosted South Australia, and that was a draw. So South Australia finished the Shield season at winless. They have one fifty over game to try and get a win. And then over at the Wacker, Tasmania got a a victory in their last game against Western Australia, winning by one hundred and seventy five runs. My man Matt Wade made a, a lovely ninety, and Jake Doran one hundred and twenty three. Paul laughed at me. When I said Jake Doran <laughs> has a big future, well, that was his third Shield ton of the summer, and I think keep an eye on Jake Doran. I did laugh, but I also said that save that audio, and I'd be more than happy for it to be replayed to mock me in a couple of years when he's having a successful Test career. I can't see it, but um, you know, to be fair, he is young, so young players can, can improve substantially. So maybe you're onto something there. It's frustrating to me, and I know that we annoyed you a little bit on the final day because we kept on. A couple of the other commentators and I talking about whether Western Australia might be able to chase down 470 on the final day, and you're saying there's absolutely no chance of that happening. But they didn't even try. I mean, I don't understand why they wouldn't at least go out there and uh, throw the bat. No, and Mitchell Marsh and others are scoring at appallingly low strike rates. I don't understand that. Yeah, well, I mean, that, yeah, it was just an impossible task, I think. It was a no, They were required attempt. to score it um, just, under, was it just under five and over. Um, that's not an impossible task. You can you can try at least, rather than scoring at a strike rate of thirty. Go out there and at least score at a strike well, rate of thirty. Josh Inglis tried. My my man Josh Inglis hit fifty yeah, off about thirty eight deliveries, and we yeah. actually debated this a lot during the coverage. A lot of people were asking who would be the next keeper, and man, I'm on the Inglis train. I, I really like Alex Carey, and I'd be happy with his selection. But Josh Inglis is just electric. Yeah, he's good, and of course. I didn't say this on air because I didn't want to sound like a like a fool, but Maxwell would be fine. I mean, he, I'm sure he could keep. I'm sure he could keep better than all of them. You'd rather um, sound like a me. fool on this podcast. No, I would. I feel. I feel like the listeners here. They know that I'm a fool. <laughs> Someone replied to our video that we put on YouTube about you not being able to post on our YouTube. That is so typical, Paul. Um, I don't know what they meant by that. <laughs> It's probably true. I am a bit incapable, but that, yeah, I'm not sure how they'd know that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the final Sheffield Shield ladder, South Australian got the wooden spoon for the fourth year in a row. Um, Dizzy Gillespie will just be bashing his head against a brick wall right, right now. Uh, Victoria finished fifth. Good luck to them. Serves them right. Tasmania fourth. Western Australia third. New South Wales second. And Queensland on top. And a lot of draws, so Queensland and New South Wales won three games each, Western Australia and Tasmania two, Victoria one, South Australia zero. Why, why don't South Australia do what would be done in other sports and try to poach players from interstate? I mean, you know, in any other sport, when you're having a protracted period of failure, you'd say we've got to get some new bloody. Obviously, you know, they've got the smallest population of all the mainland states, um, probably they lose a lot of fast bowlers to Aussie rules. Why don't they say, let's pick, you know, we saw Lachlan Herm, we saw uh, Jack Edwards and Jason Sanger. I'm always on about Ollie Davies. There are all these batsmen from New South Wales who are on the fringes of the side. 
why don't they make an offer to one of them and say, come to Adelaide, you'll be straight into the side, you'll play all games of the Sheffield Shield. Why not? I actually think they will. I think they will look at recruiting next summer. And uh, a player that scored 100 for South Australia in their last game, Henry Hunt, made 127 for South Australia and helped them save their final game. Um, You know, he's from Cowra, New South Wales. So, yeah, I agree. It has a lot of merit, that idea. All right, so that's the Sheffield Shield. The other cricket news um, reports have just come to hand that Daniel Sams, the Australian all-rounder, has tested positive for COVID-19 in India ahead of the IPL. Very concerning situation for him. And I'm also quite concerned, Paul, about this IPL that already um, even we had Kieran Moray, who's part of the Mumbai Indians coaching staff. He got COVID recently, uh, diagnosed on Tuesday. So... I mean, this is a really troubling sign with the tournament supposed to start this weekend. There's now a number of cases that have uh, been in the bubble. Yeah, really troubling. I mean, obviously the the greater troubling situation is that India itself is really struggling and the, the case numbers just continue to uh, balloon out of control. But you sort of think that with all the knowledge that now exists about how to run these bubbles and with all the money in the IPL, their bubbles are probably pretty good but maybe they're being breached by the fact that the virus is now just so rampant. And if that's the case, then it is a really worrying situation and you wonder whether the IPL can continue. And beyond that, in the in the months ahead, the World Cup that's meant to be in India in October, is it, you know, whether that has to come under question as well. Yeah, the IPL is supposed to kick off on the 10th of April, Mumbai playing RCB, your team, RCB, playing in the first game, Paul. Um, Coley... Christian, Maxwell, Civilian, Maxwell. Maxwell. The only thing that's a worry is Kyle Jamieson. I don't, you know, so mm. I've had a lot for him. Uh, I hope he, hope he stays on the bench. But so if you're not supporting RCB, then you better actually be from Chennai or Mumbai. Like if you're just someone from outside of India and you're not supporting RCB, then uh, you know that, that's a concern. Yeah, I'm not supporting <laughs> anyone actually in this tournament. I'm pretty neutral. I've always liked the Royals, but that that's sort of very thin. That allegiance um it's actually great watching the ipl because as a neutral you can just watch this fantastic event with you know the best cricketers in the world and i hope they get the tournament away and i hope it's successful because uh, last year when the ipl came on it was such a breath of fresh air after the the void of cricket during covid and i I, you know i'm really looking forward to it i just and i just don't know how they're going to pull this off and if the bcci uh, BCCI are able to pull this off, then it'll be a huge achievement. Yeah, it's a real worry, the situation over there. And I guess any other news you want to touch on before we leave this mini-pod, Paul? Uh, I just said it was good to see Jason Sanger uh, scoring a century. He's um, someone that's been talked about a lot. He's still only young. He's still only 20, I think. He got a century. He took a wicket for less than 30 runs. His average going to this game with the ball was 30. So by my calculations, he will now have a bowling average slightly under 30. So to have a, a 20-year-old who has just scored a century and is a leg spinner and has a bowling average of under 30, you know, it's a, um, <laughs> another one potentially that South Australia should have their eye on. Yeah, that's right. If the Blues don't pick him next summer, maybe they'll have to play for the Redbacks. Well, listeners, next time we convene in a, in a couple of weeks, hopefully Jaleesa will have emerged then, we're going to go through some radical rule change proposals by the ICC. Paul and I spoke about this during the Shield coverage, and I know a lot of you would have 
listen to all of that um, because you're big fans. But we, um, you know, we discussed this idea of substituting tactical substitutions in first class cricket and four day tests. So, um, you know, when we're around a table and can really sink our teeth into it, I think they're you know really interesting proposals by the ICC. Yeah, definitely. The the sort of proposals that traditionalists tear their hair out at, and um, we we had a good discussion about it on the, on the coverage. And um, yeah, it'd be good to have a roundtable chat about it. Well, listeners, I guess that's it for this little edition of Cricket Unfiltered. Just remember, head into the show notes for the link tree, which has got all the links to our YouTube and socials and Patreon. Um, congratulations to Jaleesa Apps moving across to Channel 10. Can't wait to see her every night on the telly there, and I'm sure she'll be back very soon. And, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll be back. I'm going to, you know make every effort to keep my marriage going next week. So um, I will be incontactable and cricket free. Good luck. Good luck, Menas. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, listeners. Back in a couple of weeks. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now, driving at your desk. Maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.